0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to Talent Talks. I'm Rob Adams. In this episode, we're excited to be joined by Tony Leng, Managing Partner at HI Executive Consulting, also known as HIEC. Tony draws upon his extensive experience as a CEO, as well as his financial background as a CPA and CA and technical expertise gained from working with tech companies to delve deep and comprehend the nuanced needs of his clients as they establish their teams. He has authored numerous papers on technology leadership and the obstacles that technology leaders face in the present day. Today, we'll be discussing the impact generative AI is having on business and talent. Tony, how are you? Nice to see you.
1: Great. Thanks so much for having me. I really look forward to this discussion.
0: Well, same here, and I know you're enthusiastic, so let us dive right in. Tony, as as a generative AI becomes more prominent, what fundamental shifts do you anticipate in the way people work and the overall organizational landscape, and how can businesses prepare for these changes?
1: Well, the new technology will probably replace some routine and, com- and repetitive tasks. It's going to facilitate idea generation, enable staff to do their work and serve their stakeholders more efficiently and effectively. It's going to simplify knowledge management, provide decision augmentation and support in a bunch of complex situations. And organizations that lean into Gen AI, well, I believe, gain significant advantage over there competitors. It's not just another IT tool. Many people think here comes Gen AI, something else in the toolbox. But this is different because it's going to impact the way in which organizations deliver value and have enormous impact on workflows. A little bit like when the internet kind of came about and was introduced. It changed the way businesses went to market. Gen AI it's going to change the way organizations find, keep, and serve their customers. Customer ownership is increasingly a big thing, and Gen AI is going to help organizations understand, serve, and lock in their customers for life. Now, while it offers opportunities to deliver value in the way organizations currently serve their customers, it's also going to create opportunities for new value streams, new products, new services, sort of like the internet impacted organizations when it was first introduced. And like the internet, there's going to be some that will forge ahead, take advantage, grow, and there are going to be some that sort of collapse and disappear because they're unable to understand and take advantage of this new opportunity. So that's kind of part A. Part B was sort of how do you prepare? So very simplistically, and we can unpack this a little more later, but number one, someone in charge. So appoint a leader. Create a governance committee. Create some guardrails, and we'll unpack the governance committee in a minute. Create some guardrails because in AI you want to do good but also do no harm and we'll unpack that too. And responsible AI is a big new word that everyone hears. And then experiment in a safe way. Have pilots, you know. Uh, most value is going to come from customer experience, marketing and sales, software engineering, R&D. So set up pilots, sandbox test cases, and start preparing for all of those things. So that's kind of an overview summary. As I mentioned, we can unpack some of that you know, as we go through this discussion. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Tony,
0: the, the role of the chief generative AI officer, the CGAIO, is highlighted as pivotal in navigating the transformative impact of AI. Could you explain the responsibilities and significance of this role within organizations and how does it interact with existing IT leadership positions?
1: Okay, so this role, I wrote a little paper a while ago on this particular role, this chief generative AI officer. And it was a slightly tongue in the cheek article, kind of harking back to an article I must have written 10 or 15 years ago on what was the chief digital officer. And at the time, I said to CIOs, if your CEO appoints a chief digital officer, you failed because you should have been on top of that and you should have been all over the opportunity that digital transformation was going to bring to your organization. In a similar vein, if the CEO appoints a chief generative AI officer and you are now the chief information or the chief digital officer, you have once again missed a pretty big opportunity because here is coming along a similar massively transformed opportunity. It's kind of the next step in the digital evolution. And here it comes. And if you're the CIO or the chief CDO, or whatever you want to call yourself, and you are not engaging with the board, the CEO, and your cohort in the senior executive team, and telling them about this new opportunity to drive your organization forward, You really haven't done your job all that well. So there needs to be a leader. And if you as the CIO or somebody else is leading or are leading your organization in an effective way, you're going to socialize this into the organization, this new generative AI, and you're going to help create a steering committee to drive this forward. And the steering committee needs to comprise a number of different roles. Why? Why? Because this is not a tool. This is a complete business workflow transformation opportunity. It's going to affect every role in the organization. And the steering committee must comprise the technology people, data science, if you've got data science. HR, why? Because it's going to change a bunch of roles in job. Finance, why? Because it's going to change the way the business uh, operates and gets funded. Legal. Because there's a whole lot of legal jeopardy that could lurk around the corner and we'll cover that. Regulatory. There's a lot of regulatory scrutiny around all of this. Risk management. You can put your whole organization at risk if you make the wrong moves. You know, operations, sales, product management. Basically every function needs to be involved. Um now the role can report in the CEO. That's fine, could report to a chief transformation officer but mostly I see it fitting in under whoever is responsible for overall technology in the business. In, in my mind, there always needs to be some top executive who is really guiding and leading the organization through all the different opportunities, challenges, and transformations that technology will bring. And so it probably fits under a CIO or a CDO or a CIDO or whatever you want to call it, that's where it probably probably fits in in my mind. Um, so, yeah, the, the key point is that it's a transformational position which impacts every function. And while this leader needs to have good technical depth and understanding of what generative AI is going to do, he or she really needs to understand business transformation and appreciate that there's an opportunity and a set of risks attendant with all of this. And so it's a time of learning. You want to have a sandbox. You want to have pilots. You want to figure out where you're going to go and what you're going to do. So that is, that's the kind of start. So you prepare by hiring somebody, having a test sandbox, getting everybody involved and starting to experiment and Really, we're at the early stages. Everyone is starting to experiment. Some are getting ahead of others, and we'll cover, you know, is this a rich will get richer, will we get poorer scenario, or is there a way to manage this landscape going forward so that everyone can benefit?
0: Data, talent, security, transparency, and ethics are identified as key factors for maximizing the business impact of generative AI. What are some challenges organizations might face in each of these areas and how can I, they address them
1: effectively? Okay, so let me hit these one by one. So data. Data is absolutely foundational because AI works off data. That's what it is. Um, and the reason AI has become so popular is you've got huge amounts of data and you've got increased compute power. Why is the NVIDIA share taking off and doing so well? Because their GPUs are what powers a bunch of these foundation models. But what you need is real-time data ingestion. You need governance. You need protection of that data. You need to understand the provenance of that data. Where is it coming from? All of those things are really important in the building of the models. Um so, let me give you a quick example. Chat GPT, which everybody understands, is just built off the internet since like two thousand It's everything on the internet since two thousand. If you have a business where that is very relevant, perhaps Chat GPT can be useful to you. But if you have a, an organization that has got some specific data in a specific domain that needs to go back a number of years if you're a law firm or if you're a science firm or all the rest, ChatGPT is not really going to help you all that much. So um, so ChatGPT, as I say, can be useful in some areas, but frankly not much. But there are some vendors out there already positioning themselves in specific domain areas, like there's a software as a service Gen AI company that's dealing with help desk. So it's a, it handles all your help desk queries and it does this by gathering all the data from many different customers and using that to address help desk queries that you may face. Now that's extremely useful and if that data is, let's call it vanilla and not specifically IP protected in your organization, That's for the common good, but if that's going to cause your organization to suffer, you need to be very careful about the IP around your data, and if some of your data comprises data that is IP protected from your customers, and you use that in a more public domain, you can violate the IP of the data that you hold for your customers. So if you're a If you're a hospital system, you own health records. If you're a financial services information and you hold specific financial data that is proprietary to your customer, you you need to be really careful about somehow allowing that to go into the public domain. So the thing to think about when you think about data is there's a directly proportional relationship between the relevancy and the amount of data you have, It's specific to your organization and the effectiveness of your model. So you find really large banks using their data, building their model to address their customers in a particular way. And it's completely proprietary. And we'll talk about that in a minute. It is extremely costly and you need a lot of talent, which is why some organizations are trying to use third parties and vendors to enable them to get to the goal more quickly. But again, you need to be very, very careful about your data and the protection of your data, which is why when you have that steering committee I mentioned, you need the lawyers and you need regulatory and other people there to make sure you don't inadvertently screw up and put your entire organization at risk. So that's data. I don't know if you have any questions on data. If not, (laughs) we'll move on to talent.
0: Keep going. You're rolling. You're doing great. (laughs) So, from
1: a talent perspective, so if you're building your own model, you really need a lot of talent. You extract, govern, manage the data, so you've got to ingest it, tag it, store it, retrieve it in effective ways. You need big data centers and big storage capability for that. You need analysts you probably need somebody who's kind of let's call it product managing, and then you need developers, and you need model builders, and data scientists, and prompt engineers, and you, st- you there are a number of different roles that you need to start recruiting for if you're going to build your own model. So you need a lot of compute power, more data centers, more storage. And you need. You know these hardware engineering capabilities, and you need a lot of smart software people, and you need a lot of clever business people to help you figure out how best this model will work, and how it should work in your organization. That costs a lot of money, and a lot of dedication, and a lot of time. So that's on one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, you get a free chat GPT, and you ask it questions. Now, the, the problem with that becomes, if you sort of start putting some of your data into an environment which is using ChatGPT to help generate the intelligence, you can get in trouble by putting your proprietary data into that model. They will happily accept your data because it will enhance their models. But again, you need to be very careful about the protection of your intellectual property. So, already there are some huge unicorns that are starting to offer Chat GPT like services, as I mentioned around help desk, around R&D and around all kinds of things. You need to, you need to figure out where you wish to play in this environment. Do you want to just use chat GPT to make up some stuff from a marketing perspective for your organization? Or do you want something very specific and proprietary just to you? Because there's a huge cost differential, you know, from one to the other. So the talent in this area currently is rare. There are not many people who know how to do this. There are some data scientists who worked with artificial intelligence for a period of time. But this generative AI, which is now taking information and do deep using Deep neural and deep learning networks to, to create questions and answer questions and, and figure out kind of connectivity. Um, those new models are very sophisticated and are, have uh, many more decisioning points. And to, to hire somebody who's got that level of skill set and to turn them loose requires a lot of training data, a lot of guidance, a lot of information. And so, the talent is rare. I, you know, just for amusement's sake, there was a product management role at Netflix, and it was advertised for nine hundred thousand dollars. Now, that is a huge amount of money for a product management role. But clearly, Netflix is going to be able to use this to differentiate itself. But because of the rarity, the price for these positions is shooting up dramatically. So. From a talent perspective, some jobs will be replaced. Um, The routine rote jobs that can be automated, those will be replaced, but they will be replaced by much more value-added type roles. It's exactly the same as when the Internet was introduced. The Internet took over some basic roles, but, boy, it spawned So much other opportunities for creating value and for more more knowledge management type people. So your job will be replaced if you don't learn how to use Gen AI effectively in your job. That's what's going. So if you have a job and you don't figure out how to use Gen AI to help you be more effective, that those jobs are going to be under under threat. Uh, But the opportunity, I think, to to leverage. An individual skill, their desire to learn, their desire to add value and make more money is huge. So I think there's a lot of upside from a talent perspective and a job creation perspective. Next point you asked, do you have a question? No,
0: go ahead. You're, you're rolling, so keep going.
1: (laughs) The next point was, the next point was on security. And there are a number of issues here because you get more data and you need more data. There's more data to steal. People want to steal data. You know, I, I hate to say this because it's so trite now, but data is the new oil. Everyone says that. And, and and why? Because there's so much value in data. And where there's value, you steal, people are going to steal it. So you can lose it You're bad guys. Bad guys, interestingly enough, are using Gen AI to steal your data. So there's a kind of a ratcheting up and, and, and the good guys are using Gen AI to detect the bad guys stealing data. So everyone is using Gen AI to both protect and steal the data. So cyber warfare has just ratcheted up to another level. So data security is really important. But you can also unintentionally leak your data by some somebody who's trying to write an algorithm and somehow inadvertently shares your data into a public domain by asking you know, a GPT engine, you know, or a Dolly engine to to help figure out something for you. Well, if you do that and inadvertently share your data, it's very problematic. So you need your legal team there to understand any contract you have with a third-party vendor to make sure that you retain the ownership of your data and they cannot use it in their model building unless you specifically give them permission to do so. And that may be if they use the data in a headless or, or untraceable kind of a way. Perhaps, you know, with general use around specific trends in the market, then you can share your data. But you need to be very, very secure that you don't inadvertently lose data. Okay. The next point you mentioned was transparency. And transparency is really important. Because it sort it kind of impacts on the regulatory environment and the ethical environment. I'll cover ethics next, but let's talk briefly about transparency. So, where are you using Gen AI to make a business decision that impacts somebody, either financially or from a healthcare perspective, there are a bunch of regulatory bodies that ensure that you're using and you're acting in an ethical and decent way. And the challenge with some Gen AI models is they can't explain how they got there. A, B, they may hallucinate uh, and hallucinate's a term for, they give a completely weird answer that you can't explain. And if you're making a decision, for example, as to whether or not to give somebody a loan or approve a purchase, or something like this. That needs to be explainable to any regulator. And and so, the data you use, and the algorithms you use, need to have a certain provenance, and explainability, and transparency to them, so that you understand how your Gen AI got to the answer. That is unbelievably important. Um, So, on hallucination, here's what I tell many executives who are being pressurized by their CEO to introduce Gen AI or Chat GPT. I say to them, go to your chief executive and say to him, "Right, Bill, let's ask ChatGPT GPT to write your bio." And I did this to myself and Rob. You should try this on yourself. You go to Chat GPT and say, "Write the bio of Tony Lang," and what pops out? Reads amazingly. If you didn't know Tony Lang and you read this, you'd think, Wow, that guy, he's done all these really interesting things. He studied this, he studied that and all the rest. And it looks incredibly coherent, and because it written so well. Most of it's complete BS. It's made up stuff. It definitely is. I did study that. I do. you could never tell. Why? Because ChatGPT starts on the internet in 2000 or something, and it has no knowledge of who I am historically. And that's called hallucination. And you know, if someone would say, well, who wrote your bio? Where does it come from? Please explain it. You cannot explain it. So that's where that explainability is really important. And, and so I tell most people, go do that. It'll, it'll get your CEO to kind of back off a little and make him or her say, okay, we really need to understand how this thing works if we randomly use it to give advice to our clients or anybody else. Okay. And that's tied in a little to the next bullet, which is ethics. You know, enormous reputational damage can be suffered if your Gen AI model is used inappropriately. There's also a story about some lawyers who used... Gen AI, and they said to it, kind of write us a, a, you know, a briefing on this particular case, and it quoted a bunch of law and it did all kinds of stuff. They read it; it looked great. They gave it to the judge, and the judge said, "Those aren't real cases. That's not real law." And those guys caused a lot of reputational damage for their law firm because that's what they did, and they and it made stuff up. And so, it's really important that um, that from an ethical perspective that the data on which you base your model that the data is good and that the and, and there's a bunch of stuff about should we use existing data synthetic data what are the data that we should use to build models and there's a whole area around you know does the data you know get worse can it You know, is the internal bias that you have in your current data going to manifest more and bigger in within the model? Because if you go back and look at certain data sets, you know, now people would say, well, that's biased against this community, that grouping, and this or whatever. You know, there's a bunch of bias in your data. And if you're using that data to train your model, you're building in bias. And that's unethical. And you need to manage your model appropriately so that ethical those unethical biases are removed and they are you know really set up to you know judge the, you make the decision you're looking to make in an unbiased and appropriate way that'll stand up to scrutiny that'll be ethically right, won't damage your organization or reputationally. So all those things are incredibly important.
0: Establishing guidelines, Tony, and frameworks for the use of generative AI is crucial as it becomes more integrated into business operations. Can you discuss the importance of regulation and reporting mechanisms in governing AI and how organizations can strike a balance between innovation and ensuring accountability and transparency?
1: Yeah, and this is a really important point, uh, point. and as I mentioned at the start Creating this governance committee, this internal governance committee within your organization is important. And then articulating a few sandboxes or like pirate pilot experiments, whatever you want to call them is is really important because you need to test all of these. Um, You need to test all of these before they go mainstream. Now, some people out there have sort of posited this doomsday scenario that if you turn all of this loose, it's kind of going to be the end of humanity and these machines will take over uh, and all the rest. And sort of like everything new, um, there's an upside, but there's potentially a downside as well. And what we want to do is balance those two. There's tremendous upside if it's used effectively, but there's downside. And my view is that government should appoint some really smart, capable, competent technologists and others to help them formulate regulation that will allow business to mine the benefit and the upside because there's drug discovery and there's there's just a whole lot of things that can allow for human flourishing that can come out of ChatGPT that can mine all the upsides, but potentially avoid some of the pitfalls and the downsides of all of this. But one thing I will say is that Jenna is an unstoppable force. And let me explain. So it's not as I mentioned early on, it's not a cool new technology like you know, uh, you know like crypto and, and 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 some other technologies which are really, really useful you know, the blockchain is really useful for managing and, 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 and dealing with data. But it's a little bit in the back, in the background. Everyone can access chat GPT. It's like when the iPhone came and people said, well, hang on a minute. This has got a bunch of downside. Look at the iPhone. Look at where the iPhone has gone. Look at where it's moved things forward. There's some potential pitfalls around the iPhone. And, you know, we see a lot of people that just can't get their heads out of the phone and on, and it's got some de- detrimental impacts, frankly on the youth but overall the iPhone has been incredibly positive in what it's allowed to happen. GPT to me is a little bit like the iPhone. Yes, there's some downside but boy there's tremendous upsides and if you regulate it appropriately and you manage some of those downsides that we've been talking about that uh I think it's going to be very, very helpful. So organizations, I believe, should self-govern under their operating committees, and then there should be governance from the governing, you know, through, through regular regulators and all the rest of it. But it needs to be done in a way that will allow innovation to flourish. I, I fear sometimes that we will be too cautious and too conservative and other parts of the world or other economies will steal a march Because if you get ahead, if you start winning, it's sometimes quite hard to catch up. And and I sometimes fear that if we don't create the right environment in the U.S., other areas of the world may steal a march on us and we may struggle to catch up. We should win this easy, you know, but we could shoot ourselves in the foot. And so I think... That it's important to have a regulatory and reporting balance with respect to innovation. Now so both can happen in an appropriate way for the benefit of all.
0: In our final couple of minutes, in your opinion, is addressing the organizational changes brought about by the rise of generative AI an urgent matter? What steps do you recommend organizations take now to adapt and ensure they have the right leadership in place to navigate this transformative landscape successfully.
1: Right. So, yes, it's particularly urgent if you have competitors who are already experimenting and going down this path. And some industries are ahead of others. So if you're in an industry where this can have a real impact in the short term and you detect your competitors are already doing it, it is urgent. You really need to get on it very quickly because, as I say, you may get left behind and you may never catch up. So what's what are the steps that leaders need to take? Well, you need to explain all of this to your board so they're aware of what's going on, to the senior leadership team so they know what's going on. And I mentioned early on establishing this governance committee. This governance committee and the education of your entire organization – Top to bottom is important. And top to bottom, because there may be some people, uh, you know, who are extremely nervous and concerned about their jobs. And you need to address all of these concerns. That's why I said have HR as part of that group. So you need to figure out how urgent, what am I going to do? Am I going to invest in this personally as an organization or or am I going to utilize this increasing ecosystem that's out there. And boy, the VCs and the private equity firms are throwing tons of money into Gen AI companies, many of whom address really important things within your industry, your domain, your challenge. Like as I mentioned earlier, help desk, you know, drug discovery, uh, marketing, sales, all that. There are just tons of AI organizations addressing these areas and these domains. And probably for the lion's share of organizations, understanding the increasingly developed ecosystem out there and figuring out from whom shall I buy? How do I protect my data? How do I engage appropriately? These are decisions that you need to make, and that governance committee will help you do that, you know, because what are the areas? It's marketing and customer service. How can Gen AI enhance your customer interactions and streamline your marketing efforts? Content creation. Can Gen AI help create that content? Process optimization and workflows. How can AI help me do that better? Knowledge management. How might AI, Gen AI tools improve the storage, retrieval, dissemination, software development? AI can help with that. Just figure out the ecosystem that best addresses those areas and plunge in right now. Create the sandboxes and do it in a safe environment and have that governance committee helping you and make sure you appoint somebody who's in charge. Many of our customers are saying to us, help us find somebody to lead this for us. We've got private equity firms asking us, help us find somebody who can go into our portfolio organization and help them think through how to best use gen ai the talented rare there are not a lot of people out there but those who understand the science and those who understand how it will impact business so they've got the technology and the business acumen those people are incredibly valuable to any organization
0: tony fascinating stuff i thank you so much for your time and uh It's it really is it's a it's an interesting time really great information today
1: great thank you so much I really appreciate you having me on and and if anybody in your audience wants to reach out and engage they should feel free feel free to 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 do so
0: Tony Lang the managing partner at HI Executive Consulting with us here on this episode of Talent Talks.